0: Um, Welcome to this podcast. It's going to be a story that is laid out in several different chapters. This is the first of um, the chapters, so you you will have to listen to this in order, or it won't make any sense. Um, But uh, I'm new to making podcasts, so I'm (laughs) not too... I'm not too good at um, probably just the mechanisms of everything. I'm still learning it, so bear with me on that. And um, (coughs) I guess I'm going to start out with um, the reason why I'm doing this. It's not just to tell a story, it's um, really just because um, I, I believe that there is this hidden danger that that needs to be unveiled and um I need to warn people. I survive something that most don't live to tell about and therefore I feel an obligation um to to warn people. Um so That's really why I'm doing this, Um, it is taking a bit of a risk, even though I've gone to great lengths to even disguise my voice, Uh, and also, um, again, bear with me, um, because because, um, I, this is the only way I know how to disguise my voice. I never thought that, um my strange hobby of having all these different voices and things that I, that I could imitate and things. I never thought that that would come in handy um, for anything, but uh, apparently it has. So I, <laughs> I try to choose something that is probably the least recognisable, like like night and day difference between you know, what I really sound like, (laughs) um, and this voice. So, it's uh, just another way that I have to kind of protect my identity because if the people um, that are in this story, if they knew who had um, revealed... This information—if they knew—I uh, I would be in great danger. So, um, yeah, you know, I can't—I can't give too much away, and that's really the biggest hurdle that I've been facing for all these years. Because I'm sitting here thinking, what well, if I give too much away? Especially because of the circumstance. Um, even if I give too much away about. The other people in the story, they're gonna sit there thinking, "Wait a minute, that's me." Wait a minute. Who's the only one that could be telling this information? If that's about me, you know, they're gonna sit there and they're gonna right away um, figure out who it is. And so, how do I tell it with the same? um, the same information and not lose anything, uh, that has been my biggest hurdle, and I've actually wanted to tell the story for a really, really long time, and I just did not know how. I'll get into later a little bit about, um, more about why I'm so limited in, um, what I feel like I can do to to expose the truth to the world like this. Um, I'll get, uh, probably... I'm guessing it's going to be easier just to tell this as an actual story. Um, Instead of, you know, saying something and then giving an example from my life, I think it's just easier to kind of tell it as an actual story, so I I am going to go in order. Uh, You're not going to piece the entire picture together in the first chapter, or maybe not even from from the majority of it. You're not going to get a full picture because I am telling it in order and in the way that it happened. So the conclusion of all this is going to be at the very end, A lot of it is going to be the very end. But I'm going to start out with just some very basic uh, facts about um, the kind of family I had uh, growing up. Most of my family um, was tied directly, meaning that they were actively um a member of this underground Nazi or nazi like I truly believe it to be just plain plain nazi um group of people that uh, you know were just evil and horrendous. And I was born into that, um, but I was never accepted by them. Actually, uh, more than just not accepted, I went through severe, severe um, abuse and uh, I was injured to the point where, like I said, I shouldn't have survived. And um, the first thing that I'm going to say about that is that I'm actually very glad that um, they did not accept me because I never, ever trusted them. I never, ever, um, you know, had that potential of being brainwashed that some people grow up in these situations, they do, but I didn't because... They were always hurting me, there was no reason for me to listen to anything they said. I always was suspicious, and I would not have been suspicious probably for quite a while had they they accepted me. So, (coughs) the first thing that people don't really understand is that these groups of people can be very, very... Um, sort of masking Um, they did not want me to know that they were Nazis they did not want me to know the extent of what they thought about me because that would give me too much power as a child especially if you know too much then you can go and report it to somebody but if you think it's normal and if you think um, you know that there is no real name for something um, if you grow up just thinking plain and simple your family hates you and you deserve the punishment they're giving you, you you don't have any ties to the truth about who they really are, what they've really been doing behind your back. You don't have any... Um, you're not told anything about them being Nazis, and so that, therefore what you could possibly tell somebody is limited, and you wouldn't... Um, you wouldn't even try to tell somebody in most cases because you've been brainwashed to think that you deserve that that pain. Um the the the, the sure time that you actually think that you should stand up for yourself. You don't have enough information. Um and Then when you finally do have enough information, you get to a point where it's hard to find somebody that's not on their side. Because every place that they visit, everywhere they go, everyone they're affiliated with, they have infiltrated everything, which I'll get into later. but let me start out with why they did not accept me they actually um, um, if you were to look at their ideology this group is not just neo-nazi this group is is really it, it's, it's right on with actual Nazis and even pre-Nazi beliefs, um, a lot of the Nazi beliefs actually stem from beliefs that were common in, in you know way far back centuries in the 1500s, you, you saw the way that they live is kindly the way that the Nazis live. They are basically stuck in the fifteen hundreds. That is their mindset. That is how they think. So that's the first thing that I need for you to understand. Now at one point in time people would not have thought that <laughs> that people like this existed in vast numbers and that if they did exist, it was a very isolated group of people It's not There's just a lot more of these people than you think and um, It's not just two or three crazy people There's a whole group out like there like this that has just survived through many, many decades and centuries And basically, they are the group that just refused to change with the time. That is as simple as I can put it, but it's also not exactly that. It's a little more complicated than that. Um, when I was born, because of how they think, okay, keep in, keep in mind the mindset of the 1500s. When I was born... Um, they had already had prior a miscarriage what they called a miscarriage I don't even know if it really was uh, they, they could have possibly seen something wrong in the child after it was born and killed it but they called it a quote miscarriage um, whatever it was that they saw the priest told them that um, they had been tempted by the devil or fell to temptation and that's why the child was like that and that they needed to have precautions for their second child, namely me. So before I was even born um, <clears throat> and unfortunately the way that I know some of this information you know um, they were not the ones that told me um, other people had to tell me um, so I was growing up not knowing all of this i i I figured it out much later um but anyway the the priest had told them that they need to take these precautions, so even before I was born, they were planning on um, making uh, the birth something that should not be survivable, but if it is, then the child, had it come out normal, would be a child of God. Had the child come out normal, it would no longer be a miracle and instead it would be a child of the devil. So what they were going to do was to test the actual um, innocence of this child to make sure it wasn't, quote, a demon child, because they believed that the first child they had was, quote, a demon child. Again, the mindset of the 1500s. It is literally ridiculous to think this, but they did. They thought this. And they were not alone. There was a bloody priest involved in a whole congregation and a whole group of Nazis that were right there with them. And this is an underground thing, so of course nobody's going to do this out in the open. This stuff only exists underground, pretty much. And, for good reason, they would get caught too quickly if it was a bog grind. But anyway, um, these um, tasks that they were given... When my mother went into labour, she was supposed to um, go to a very specific hospital that was run by um, by a very specific group of Christians, uh, they had infiltrated this hospital now. Was everybody like that? No. There were a lot of very normal people at that hospital that worked there, but the majority was these Nazis that had infiltrated this place. It was kind of a... It Uh, private wrong hospital, if you will, for lack of a better term. And so, they had all the things at their disposal. Um, Purposefully, you know, the, the doctors and a lot of the nurses were in on it. Purposefully, when they went there, they needed to make sure that they saw specific doctors and Everything. I mean, it was ridiculous. So that they could do what they needed to do to, quote, test this child's innocence that was about to be born. The first thing they did was, when my mother started having contractions, she went to the hospital and they gave her something to actually prohibit contractions or at least slow them down so I was actually stuck in the womb when I, when I should have been born already I, I was stuck for more than 24 hours at which point um, there, there started to become a risk of my mother's safety and at which point they've pulled me out forcibly probably gave her something to reverse um, you know, what they'd done probably gave her something to actually cause contractions Um, but by that time I think she was weak enough that uh, you know, they wanted to get me out as soon as possible she was probably going into shock Um, so kind of just yanked me out And my heart had stopped twice through all of this. Um, I was kindly being suffocated. Um, A child stuck in the womb for that long, you know, it's often a pretty grim chance that they're going to come out normal, you know, much less alive. Usually they have some kind of damage. And when I came out, the only thing that was wrong really, um, my heart had finally started again. And the only thing that was wrong was that my eyes had. They looked into my eyes, they opened my eyelids, looked into my eyes, and they had a a red tint to them, like like bloodshot, Um, I think probably because of stress, so so the whites in my eyes had like a red ring around them, and this is how stupid this is, but they believed because I had red eyes, they believed that I was a child of the devil and that this was absolutely no miracle. Um, there were a few people in this group the nurses um, that were delivering me that that actually thought that this was wrong and that did not like it and they were the ones um, that uh, probably saved me from from even more um, torture that day um they <sighs> there was at least one there had to be at least one because they got spooked at at one point. Um, when I when they determined that I was you know this quote devil child, they actually tried to kill me. They gave me something. I don't know if it was anesthesia or something else, maybe it was something a lot less obvious than that. Um, this, this hospital even had autopsists that, that would cover for them, I mean that's how infiltrated it was. And there would have been a time long ago that people thought, Oh no, this, this can't be, This this there's no way that a hospital can get that infiltrated by these people, they're just not that big in numbers but, um, you know, with everything that's been going on today, in, in the present day, in the last few years especially, more and more people are finally starting to understand, yeah, that is possible, that this is a real possibility, and most definitely, this is not the only place I'm sure that, that has something like this, there's probably many places, um, and that is what I feel, but anyway... They, um, they did try to kill me, and I think my heart stopped again, but then it somehow restarted. And um, there was a lot of sort of panic at that point, I should be dead but I'm not dead, and because of the red eyes they don't see it as a sign from God, They, they see it as, this isn't just an evil child that has been, you know, possessed by a demon or that has been, you know, somehow connected to the devil. This is the devil's child, this is a true demon child, a devil child. It has to say that I'm not really even human in their eyes. In their eyes, I'm a demon that has been given, you know, I'm not even a a, a baby possessed by a demon. I'm a demon thing that has been, you know, created by the devil and used my mother's womb to do so. Um, the only way that they thought that could happen is cause that they had doubt in their faith in God. Somehow their faith wasn't strong enough. You see how stupid this is? Again, like, 1500s, um, um, yeah, that is what they think. So when they couldn't kill me, you know, they they got even more desperate to kill me. Um, that one person or several people maybe, but at least one person um, that I was told uh, kind of spooked them. They, they, well, this is what I was told. I was told that somebody was watching. That's all I was told. Um, that, you know, was about to see too much and might have already seen too much and so um, my mother and father didn't want any part of being arrested and they just wanted to go home the doctors pleaded with them saying, you know, "Just, just give us a little more time to kill it it's a lot easier to kill it if um, there, there's no records yet, you know we, we can we can make it look like it was a stillborn. You, you don't have to go through a birth certificate. It'd be a lot less likely that you'd get you'd actually get in trouble if we just kill it now. But if we send you home, then you're gonna need a birth certificate. We legally would have to do that. Please just just let us kill it here. And. Um, they wouldn't. They, they just they, they, they just spooked and panicked and went home. Um, whoever was watching that night, I thank them. Because they might not have been able to get my family arrested, but they might have very well saved me from any more pain that night. When they left the hospital, uh, Right before they left, the doctor gave them this card of somebody. Said you need to go see this person. Um, if you're not gonna let us do it, you need to go see them right away. You know. So they went home, and probably within the week, next week or two, they go and see the person on that business card. Happens to be, you know, a different Nazi priest. Um, <coughs> This one is, uh, I don't know if it's if he's as forgiving or as optimistic as the other one. Um, the other one was thinking that it was because of you know their lack of faith, but this one, I don't know what this one would have thought. Um, there are some that that don't think like that they don't think that lightly. they think that if if a quote demon child is born it's it's because the the actual um parents are also evil and going to hell, and that they also need to be punished um so I don't know what this particular person believed. But I know that enough people believe that that eventually, which I'll get to later, eventually, um, to all these other Nazis, my parents told them falsely told them that they had adopted me, so so that they wouldn't think that my mother actually gave birth to me, um, and they played it off to be you know that. God handed them this immense task to, you know, basically take care of the demon thing. So, I don't know yet about this, and I probably will never, about the specifics of where that priest stood that was on that business card. But he was a specialist at dealing with things like this. And his job was to torture me. So, they would go... Probably weekly or several times a week. They would go quite often when I was an infant, and um, of course I don't remember it, but they would, I was told about this, they would go um, to this church where this priest was, and he would do a lot of things to me, yet again, that I should have died from suffocation, you know, holding me under water, physical, um, you know, abuse, um, hitting me and sometimes even breaking bones and cutting me and just just all different ways of, of torture, poisoning me, gassing me, you know, there they were all different things that he did basically to to try and kill me. And at a certain point, he just realised that I I wasn't going to be killed, or at least he thought that. Um, And again, it's nothing short of a miracle. I don't know why, really, I was able to survive it. Um, I think somebody maybe a guardian angel or something was was watching over and fighting for me you know i don't i don't i can't really speak of why um because it was on the cusp of especially having gone through something like that that many times you know where someone you know could possibly survive it but probably wouldn't um So, the only solution that they had at that point was just to make sure that I very regularly got tortured um, and that to keep it on a very, very uh, tight schedule. Um, So, basically I'd be rendered near death You know, they could at least get me near death, and eventually, maybe over the years, I'd finally die one day, um, in the hopeful little minds, so, um, what they did, um, for a while was, like I said, take me to that priest until one day, um, one day, where And something that you have to know about me is that I'm pagan. I have pagan beliefs. I have actually a lot of ancient paganism beliefs. So what what stems from my beliefs as to why this happened is different than what I can, you know, say. I don't want to add religion into it. I don't want to. Influence anything, so I'm trying to keep it kind of um, just uh, basically um, with with no opinion on that. But you have to understand that because I'm pagan, I do believe in a in a certain range of magic and um, that, that certain things are possible. Um, and this does kind of make me wonder um, why this happened to the priest. If there was one day where I was getting a lot of pain. And I was told that I screamed and screamed and screamed and all of a sudden what was happening to me, the priest started feeling that same pain. And I don't know how and I don't know why, but in my, I guess, pagan belief, it had something to do with... Um, some sort of magic, but I'll leave that up to you. As to what the reason was, he actually suffers from a very mild, um, heart attack. He kind of closes onto his chest, holds onto one of the, um, I don't know what those called pews or something, um. Grabs onto something with one arm and then has his hands sort of over his chest and and then they call the ambulance. He ends up being totally fine, totally fine. No, no lasting effects. He's, he's fine. Um. But it gets him to stop hurting me, because um, he tells my parents that night, I'm sorry. Um. You're going to have to do this from now on. I'm not going to do it. So it scared him enough that he would no longer do this. Four of them, they were going to have to do it instead. He told them what to do. He told them the regimen. He told them how to basically torture me until I was near death. And he told them how often to do it. You know, how many times a day. And he, he told them everything that they needed. But he would not do it any longer. So, at first they 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 tried to do it at their home, but I screamed really loud, and they were getting some attention from the neighbours. So, um, <laughs> you know, they were scared that they really didn't find out. So they bought a boat. And they tortured me on the boat. Instead, they would take the boat um, out into the ocean, where nobody would, would would be able to to hear me. No other boats around, nothing. And that continued for a while. My mother and father started feeling similar symptoms Um, every time they'd hurt me they would hurt even though I'm just an infant I I can't do anything Um, you know but they would start feeling similar things that I felt and I was too young to remember any of that so I'm going off of what I was told Again, you know, it's only that part of it is only good as whoever told it to me. Which again, I can't give names. Um, I wish I could. But that would just give too much away. And that would put their lives in danger, so I can't do that. Um, My first memory I had on my own of them hurting me was when I was probably around one and a half to two I could barely talk Um, I started to understand things um, and I started to speak in full sentences and um, this was right after an event prior if you did, only a few weeks prior um, which might have been my very first memory I don't know at that age it might have been my first memory it was really fuzzy but I remember you know asking you know what's this what's that because I was still learning words and I heard them say something like a demon or devil child or something I knew what child meant I did not know what demon meant so or devil meant so so I asked them what that was and they looked at me like she understand what we saying and then they, they said we can't we can't talk about that anymore she understands she, she understands too much at that point i had already understood what the rest of what they were saying pretty much so I, I understood enough that that I was like, alright, they, they're right, trying to hide something from me, so I'm going to try, me being very young, I was stupid and naive, and I thought, I'm going to try to trick them and think that, you know, uh, that I don't know as many words as they think I do, and that I, I don't know full sentences, I'm going to try and trick them to think I don't know any of that, so that maybe I can eavesdrop. Um, and maybe that I can I can sort of hear what they're saying without without them um, trying to hide it from me well that didn't really work because they still believed that I probably understood more than I could say so when I tried to act like I didn't understand something or act like (laughs) I couldn't say something right. uh they went on this side of caution and never spoke of that um, you know they never I remember they called they were calling me the demon child, and that was why I wanted to know so badly what it meant because it was in reference to me. So only a few weeks later, my mother is taking me out on a very hot summer day, in a very southern state, and she's got me. I have several memories of this actually. She's got me bundled up in winter clothes and a, and a really tight scarf and 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 things despite despite it being more than ninety degrees outside. Um I had learned by now that i I could shake if i I got so hot that I couldn't breathe I, I did I my, my skin turn bright red and I couldn't breathe so and I would pass out so i by now I'd figure out that if I shook, I could shake it off even in the stroller, even when if I'm strapped in, I could still shake it off. <laughs> Um, I I could twist and and turn around and finally grab at it and get the rest of it off. And she got really, really mad. She said, no, you're not supposed to do that, you need to keep it on, keep it on. And then uh, on this day, she wraps it so tight and tucks it so tightly and ties it so tight. She said with a laugh, "There now, try to get it out now try to get it off now see what happens she went about doing whatever she wanted to do and I tried to get it off and I couldn't get it off and I couldn't breathe and I got scared and I shouldn't have a memory at this young but I do I think because it was so traumatic Um, I couldn't have been more than age of two probably not even two and I just instinctively knew what was going to happen next because it had happened before. I couldn't get it off. I just could not get it off. And I remember just pleading, help me. Help me. Somebody help me. And I think I might have said it inside my head. I don't know. I might have said it out loud. I don't know. I don't remember. But there was a neighbour that was very nice, and I think she had already speculated abuse. And she walked over and saw that my skin was bright red, and that I was tied up so tightly that I couldn't breathe. And that I was was actually, I was going through, you know, the shock of, of overheating and not being able to breathe all at the same time um, I was, you know, passing out from heat exhaustion, um, if that's the proper term, I don't know, um, but, again, my skin was bright red, and she, she actually unraveled it off of my head and neck, and I could breathe, and it was right before I passed out, so my eyes were like all wide, and I took in a huge breath, the neighbour could see right away, um, you know, what was wrong with me. And she she told my mother, um, you know, she, they don't need this much, you, you need to let let her have a lot less, you know, um, stuff wrapped around her, she, she doesn't need that much to stay warm. It's warm outside, you know, you're, you're a new mother, you know, I understand. Um, but you can't do this. Basically, what she was saying, well, are you're going to kill your child by accident. Uh, she didn't come around and say that, but that's basically what she was saying. My mother said, um, "Oh, she's, she's just sunburned. I was covering her up because she was sunburned. Um, I know she doesn't need that much warmth. And then the lady says, the neighbour says, no, 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 that is not sunburned. That's, I'm too hot. I was so grateful that she had come to help me. I wished that every time something happened someone would be a hero and come and save me, but most days I was not that lucky. As I got to about four years old, that's when my next memory, um, that I could remember. I went to the doctor one day and they said, um, you know, the doctor told me I was fine. I felt fine, but as we were walking back uh, to the car, they said, uh, you know, the doctor didn't want me to tell you this, but you're very sick, and you're going um, to need to go through this um, treatment. And I said, well, I feel fine. They said, well, yes, yes, you, you feel fine now, but you won't later. And they had put, um, you know, all these little... Uh, things on me, these little, um, I don't know, um, tests, I had had a, a benign heart murmur, keyword benign, and my, my parents were using that as that the test results came back that I um, actually had something seriously wrong with me, um, despite it being benign, you know, and that, you know, the doctors only told me that I was fine because, because they didn't want to give me the bad news. A doctor does not do that. A doctor sits down with the entire family and goes over it, you know, that they don't leave it up to the parents to break the entire news that's not what a doctor usually does and back then I was too naive and so I just kind of went with it at first and they said you know this is going to make you probably feel worse before you feel better I said well I feel fine I said well if you don't do this you won't feel fine if you don't do this you'll die and so they took me to this place it was very strange there was a A room, it had sprinklers on the ceiling, little mini sprinklers. It had a tiny little window and a huge door. And the huge door was a big, heavy metal door. And then there was, I believe, a second metal door off to the side that had a little bit bigger of a window. If I'm remembering correctly. I was four, so I don't remember it entirely. I went here a lot so um, I do remember a lot other things about it they would take me in there and have me stripped down Um, I'd have to take off my clothes and um, I would uh, just sit there and they didn't explain anything to me I just sat there and waited for what was going to happen next. All of a sudden, you know, I don't smell anything odd. I don't see anything, but all of a sudden, I, I realize now it must have been some kind of gas. Because it was, it was whatever I was breathing in. They, they hadn't, they hadn't stuck me with any needles and I was in this chamber so it had to be some kind of gas but it was something that you couldn't see and couldn't smell um, it was the strangest feeling i would ever felt and it was very, very scary when I breathed in it felt like I was quite literally breathing in fire Breathing, looked like you're breathing in fire and I also felt like, um, at, at one point, like my throat was kind of closing up. And, and like I was going to vomit all at the same time. To this day, I don't know what kind of poison it was. All I know is that it probably went through the app uh, Especially because of what happened next. If I tried to breathe through my hand... It felt better, but then they saw me doing that, and they got mad, really, really mad. There a speaker in the room, and they, through the speaker they tell me not to breathe through my hand. Um, I had a blanket that I used to be able to use to keep me warm, or a towel or something. I started to breathe through that and they took that away and so now I can't even breathe through my hand so I imagined this little bubble of air that was that was safe to breathe and in my own little world I I almost went to another place where I imagined that this little bubble was safe to breathe but you know In reality, I was in excruciating pain, and I was suffering. My my mind went somewhere else because I couldn't stand the pain. The sprinklers at the end of it, on the ceiling, these little sprinklers, would come on, and it would, quite literally, because of the sprinklers, it would rain from the ceiling. It would drench the entire room and the water would go into these lots of these different um, things at the bottom that were uh, like, like little um, drains, you know, grid drains, round circle grid drains and eventually a door opened And it led to a hallway. Now this hallway did have a door, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, to the outside. uh, That door in the hallway that goes to the other part of the building. Um, Not the outside of the building, but the outside of the hallway. That door would be blocked off when they open the door coming from... Uh, This little chamber. So, basically, when the chamber was connected to the hallway, um, and that door was open from the chamber, the other door always had to be closed further up the hallway. Always. They closed it so that when this poison... Would go from the chamber to the hallway, it could not escape it could not escape into the rest of the building. That is why the door on the hallway was shot. The hallway led straight when that door was shot in the hallway, it only led to one place, one other place. At the end it led straight to a shower. The shower was like heaven. No, I didn't feel perfect, but when I started to bathe, I immediately felt better. I was finally, you know, I shut the door to the shower, and I was finally in a place where there was no poison, or very little poison, and the water was just washing it all off, it washing it out of the air. And, and just, and just, almost like, you think of pollen, how rain will wash away pollen in the air, this is doing a similar thing to the poison, it's just falling down, it's, you know, it's, it's the water is kind of absorbing it and it's just falling down and it's going down the drain, most of it is. I was told to wash very, very well. And at this point, of course, I don't know it's poison, so I don't really know why I'm being told all this. (coughs) Um. And if I didn't wash very, very well, they got very, very mad at me. And I I thought this was normal back then, but now I know it's quite odd. That when I go out of the shower, they give me a completely different set of, um, Completely different set, of sorry, of clothing, and um, that set of clothing was brand new, hadn't been worn uh, at least you know that day, um, you know fresh out of the washer and dryer, whatever, and uh, the old set of clothing, I don't know where it went. I guess maybe, you know. Sealed in a bag or something, I don't know taken home in a tight seal tight bag, I I never saw the clothing that I came in with um and I was given some fresh towels to wash off in they would always ask me when they gave me the towels are you sure you washed really good they didn't want any of that poison transferring to them was the thing um there was one time when the door accidentally opened that door to to the hallway. It it accidentally opened prematurely. I don't know if someone started to open it or didn't realise that they hadn't shut it all the way. Um but not only was that door open, the door in the hallway that that, that would lead to the rest of the building, that was open. So both doors were open, and, um, you know, the shower had already, not the shower, the rain from the ceiling had already come down. It was like, and every time that door opens, I thought, "What well, i meant to go walk down the hallway and take a shower now. So I went, I didn't think much of it, I went down, walked down the hallway, started to take a shower, and someone got really mad, they started yelling, who let you do this, who opened the door from you, why did you do this you're not supposed to come out without us telling you it's okay to come out why did you think it was okay to come out why did you think that you could just walk out here, this door is always supposed to be shut. you know, how did you open this door get back in there you know and it was because the excess that had not, the little amount that had not been you know, dissipated or washed away by the rain from the ceiling, they were afraid that now because it's exposed to the rest of the building, that they're going to get exposed to that poison. But back then, I didn't know that. Back then, I just thought they were angry at me. Eventually, I wised up and I realised the, the only reason why I feel terrible is because of this I felt fine before this so I ask my 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 parents i say you know I don't want to do this anymore I can't I'd rather die and they look at each other and they finally make a decision and they say which I thought was normal but I know now is not they say all right we'll let you make that choice um you don't have to do this anymore if you want to die, you can die. I said, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'd rather die. I, I I, I, accept this. I promise I won't regret it. As long as I don't have to do that. And they said, well, you'll only have to do it if you're bad. And so from then on, I would only have to go there if I was quite bad. Now, that version of quite bad is when I... Um, stood up for myself. That's the worst thing I could possibly do. So, um, and I'll get to that in the next episode. But where I'm, you know, starting to come to a close in this first chapter. So, um, but basically, uh, gonna let you know in the next one what happens uh, after that. Uh, after when I when I do something, what they say is bad, and how I'm punished. And it's not just that. Many different ways I am punished, so I'll go through that next um, but yeah, so chapter two is a bit shorter um, I think basically, um, the next time that I was taken to that I would call it a gas chamber, sure did resemble what everything I've been told about what a gas chamber is, but I, I've never, I've never been able to confirm for sure that's what it was. The next time they took me, that um, it was on a day where they were doing some uh, psychological tactics. Uh, Nazis love to do this. Uh, any kind of terrorist loves to do this. It's uh, just a tactic of, of gaining sort of a mental control uh, over your victims, um, which back then I did not know, but now it's very obvious to me that that was what they were doing. Back then I thought, you know, they just hated me and, and for no reason, you know. They didn't believe me, I don't know, they were crazy. Back then I didn't know it was an actual tactic. So what they would do is they would tell me, go do this, go do that. I would go do something exactly as they told me to do. I would come back with a smile on my face very proud and say, I did it exactly as you told me to. I did this, this and this (coughs) exactly as you said. And they would say, we never told you to do that. Why did you do that? very upset with you. And if I stood my ground and stood up for myself and said, Yes, you did tell me. You just told me to do that. I did nothing wrong. All I did was what you asked. If I did that, that was the very worst thing I could do. They were testing to see if they could break my spirit, basically and they never could. I always fought back, it just depended on how hard I fought back and on this day I fought back very, very hard because I was tired of it. They would do this constantly and it was the anger just built and built and built until until it exploded like a volcano. And on this day it exploded like a volcano, it did. I screamed at the top of my lungs. I only do what you ask, I did nothing wrong. You know, I don't deserve this. Why are you doing this to me? You know, why Why are you saying this? Anything that I do, I can't do it right. Everything I do is wrong, you know. Um... And those are the kind of things that really got me in trouble. And um, I couldn't win because eventually when I got to be really, really, um, you know, thinking that I deserved, I deserved to be punished, I deserved nothing good. My family, they would give me things on purpose for their reputation to make everyone think that I was well-loved and spoiled rotten but they had taught me that I don't deserve anything they had taught me conflicting, hypocritical things and they would they would be nice one day and then they'd turn right around the next and say You don't deserve. You don't ever deserve stuff like this, you know. So it was very confusing because it was always conflicting. Um, Now I know that they only did stuff like that so that nobody would ever, ever guess that I was, you know, being abused. They, they, oh look at all these things that they bought for her, you know, and oh it couldn't be, it couldn't be, you know. So. I thought, okay, Um, there's something to this at one point, I just kept thinking, this isn't right, this isn't right, and I finally realised why they were doing this, Um, it was to try to break me even further, basically when you feel so helpless, nobody listens to you, when you feel just as, as dark and depressed as you possibly could, that's what they wanted to get me. And it worked. That part worked. So, on the days I was trying to be good, like I said, it always backfired, almost always. Um, There was a time, I think, maybe for Christmas, my birthday, I don't know. They gave me something that I actually wanted, that I they asked me what do you want and I was like five or six so I said that I wanted this toy and they actually got it for me and they actually got me uh, something even better like, like an upgrade than what I'd asked for and I said take it back take it back I can't have this I didn't want this you know, I think I also said something about it being too much money. Um, you know, I told him, this is not what I asked for. I asked for for something a lot smaller. I don't deserve this. I take it back because I don't deserve it. And they said, you're not satisfied with what we've given you. How dare you not be satisfied? We went to a lot of trouble to buy this. And you don't even appreciate it. And I said, I just told you that I thought that it was too good for me. I just told you the bloody opposite of that. At this point, I was getting very, very mad. Why don't you listen to me? Why don't you listen to anything I say? They said, that's it. We're going to punish you. They took me, grabbed me, put me in the car, took me. Pretty long trip. It was always a long trip to that place. Put me in the chamber. And I come out and I say, I'm in the car going back home, and I say, please punish me however you want hit me cut me up break my bones I don't want this it feels like poison that was the first time I think I used the word poison I'll take any kind of punishment over that they had recently promised me a puppy and they said okay no puppy and to me I, I thought well that puppy was going to be my only friend that I ever had in my entire life, the only thing that actually loved me and so to me it was more than just a puppy, to me it, it was something I had never had unconditional love. That was the thing I wanted the most in the world, and I said, Okay, okay, no poppy. That was a little too easy, don't you think? No poppy. I should have known better. At the same time, they had a conversation with each other, actually a very heated argument in the car. Before they even got to the no- poppy thing, they were saying back and forth, "You know, what we can't just not do this." My father said, uh, something like, "I can't know these exact words. But he said something like, "It's not working anyway." And I said, "What's not working? Am I going to die because it's not working?" He said, "No, you're not you're not going to die." which has just conflicted what he said earlier. If I don't go through this treatment, I die. Um, actually, sorry, my memory's a bit fuzzy. I think that conversation was when I'd asked for it not to be... Um, well, no, that was the same day. That was the same day. I thought it was a different day, but it was the same day. Sorry, I had it happen so many times, I thought it was a similar instance. Um, but no, this, this was this was, this was was the time when I asked it to permanently, not just one time, but to permanently get rid of that punishment. And my mother was the one that said we need to give it more time. You know, this, this is the most effective punishment we have type thing. I don't know exactly what she said, but she said something like that. And... Um, it went back and forth and back and forth. We can't keep doing this. Eventually we're going to have to do something else. And I think they were referring to the fact that I was nearing the age of five. And when you start to near the age of five, that is when people start to get a little better at memorizing things eventually but remembering things in the in that sorry in that long long-term memory eventually you get to age six you know um, age seven age eight age nine age 10 11 12 you know at, with each year you remember more of your childhood and they were they were scared that I was going to remember this. So they thought, well, you know, eventually we're going to have to change up tactics. Um, they had stopped the most of the f- very obvious things, like the, the like the bruising and anything obvious, broken bones and things, because um, I had to be seen in public. They'd stopped that shortly after infancy. But they still did things like this, things that were less obvious, or things that could not be seen things that were that were concealed by my clothing um, but now they think i'm gonna I'm gonna remember this. it's gonna be too um too fresh in my mind if if they keep doing this. Too long when I get too old, you know, and I might be act- actually be able to not only remember what happened but be able to tell somebody exactly where the building was so that if it was ever an investigation, they could actually see that it actually existed, you know. Um, so they were worried about that a lot. And they come up with a random, no puppy thing. But really what they did was they they, they switched it. They switched to primarily that the, the, basically the punishment of choice was a poison that they put my food in water and I had absolutely no idea. I just thought that after about age 5 is when when I started around age 5 rather is when I started feeling really really sick my stomach didn't work right I even had trouble using the loo um immense pain when I used the loo um just just a lot of pain and, you know, a lot of nauseous feeling and, oddly enough, it would always get worse on my birthday and for the longest time I actually thought this into my adult years, I was that naive for the longest time I thought that this was just me getting the stomach flu on my birthday. What I did not know was that is not normal for the stomach flu. You shouldn't be vomiting so profusely that you barely have time to take in a breath or you're going to choke on your own vomit. You shouldn't be vomiting so often for, like, you know, Five, six, seven, eight days, or three to five days. You shouldn't be vomiting every, you know, having vomiting spells where you can barely breathe, um, because you're you're vomiting that profusely. You shouldn't have that every five minutes for three days straight. You know, you shouldn't be at the end of it, a week and a half, two weeks later, you, you should not be so weak you can barely walk. But I thought that was normal, I thought that was a stomach flu, and I got um, convinced that it was just my bad luck on my birthday. Because again, the best power they had over me was me not really understanding exactly who they were, what they did if I didn't know exactly what they did to me if I thought it was just my stupid body not working right then I couldn't advocate for myself I couldn't tell anybody my parents are poisoning me because I didn't know um They uh, a lot of times we get angry on my birthday too, really angry at me. I don't know why. A lot of times they just simply point the finger at me and say, "You, you. This is all your fault. You. Everything. It's all you. It's all your fault. All your fault. You little witch." You little evil witch. I didn't think it meant anything. I thought it was just a, a word for bitch. Because I was a little kid. But when they started doing it when I was even a teenager. And eventually I realised that I think calling me a witch was. was a little more literal than I thought at first, what they meant. Anyway, that's not important, um... I got very near that on many birthdays. There was one birthday in particular that I will never forget. I said, I want to spend my birthday with my friends this year, I was a teenager. You know, I just I just want to spend. The, I can still spend it with you, but I I just want to spend the evening with my friends. Um, there was a youth group, and so I went to the youth group for my birthday. This is this is where it gets really bad because this was a church that was integrated. This was not a Nazi church. This was ransom. and. Yet, they still had people that were infiltrating it. One of the women that worked in the kitchen, they provided dinner for us, and one of the women that worked in the kitchen had a son, and her son would help her. She was tasked with giving me the poison that they would normally give me for my birthday. Her son as arrogant as a little teenage boy he usually is, um, he had bragged saying, your food's poisoned, I poisoned it. His mother ran over to him and yelled at him and said stop that, stop saying that. I trusted in adults too much, especially adults that were not my family. and. Adults that were supposed to be, you know, safe. A place like this, where the people that are, you know, monitoring children, basically a daycare for older children, kind of what you see it as. They. I don't know why. Maybe because... Because I haven't put two and two together yet fully. Um, I didn't know this woman. I guess I thought because I didn't know her I... Really, that I... She wouldn't have any reason to hurt me. Um, I barely knew her son. Um, I asked her, is it poison, she said, no, he's just making a joke, and I believed her, and I, I told him, you know, yeah, right, you know, boys, they, they, teenage boys, they say pretty much anything, I'm like, yeah, right, I'm not following for it. nice joke, I go sit down and eat, and he laughs and he laughs and he says, how's your food? say it's good, just to try and shove him away, basically. He said, "Uh, you're so stupid, it's poison. Later, only about an hour or so later, I got the worst pain I ever felt in my life. And I thought yet again, it was me getting sick on my birthday, me getting a stomach flu on my birthday. I chalked it up to being around a whole bunch of kids Um, little kids earlier in the week, Um, I come back to school two two weeks later after I'd fully recovered, almost two weeks later, and the boy yells at me, he says, you're supposed to be dead, I killed you, I killed you, why is she still alive, I killed you, I said stop bothering me, I still thought it was a joke. He said, no, I genuinely want to know how you're still alive because I poisoned you. You're inbred. You still don't believe that I poisoned you. He was yelling at me, you should have died, you should be dead. I'm really pissed. I went around town, everybody I killed you and now here you are, you're alive. You embarrass me. You embarrass me. And, you know... You ruined my day, you ruined my whole week Why do you have to be alive? And I really just thought it was a teenage boy thing So, you know, I brushed it off And this is how I reacted I said, you know what, I don't know what your problem is I've done absolutely nothing to you for you to hate me If anybody should die, it should be you And at that point, only at that point, a teacher comes over and actually yells at me, saying, stop it. You're taking it too far. I'm sorry, I've taken it too far. What about him? I began to think that everybody looking back, not back then, but just looking back now, I began to think that pretty much everybody, every place that I was, there was at least one person, if not many, that had infiltrated something. Whether it was a hospital, a church, a doctor's office, a school, whatever it was. There was at least one person that, one Nazi, that my Nazi family had appointed to quote, watch over me and do what my parents couldn't do if they weren't that. Make sure I get enough poison. Make sure I get enough torture. That kind of thing. Make sure that I still know that I am worthless and an untouchable scum. Make sure that my self-esteem is zero. Make sure that I don't have any positive anything in my life. They wanted to break me, not only physically, but mentally. There was one time on my birthday that they went to a hotel and poisoned me tremendously. I think that, you know, some birthdays were worse than others. This was at one one of the top of the list. This was the one where I couldn't even speak because if I spoke, I wouldn't have enough breath in me. Um, I, I only had enough time to take a shallow breath before I would vomit again. I would vomit so much that I would start vom- vomiting up clear liquid, and then I didn't even have liquid in on my body, so I would vomit up, just, just gagging, vomit up air, basically, with a little bit of foam. That was the worst I'd ever felt. And I kindly believe that their whole, um, plan was to basically give me so much poison that I could, you know, by now I think they were, they were, um, under the impression that I couldn't easily be killed, even though I'm not totally sure that's true, um, I think like I said there was something watching over me, something influencing their decisions that helped keep me alive, but at this at, at this stage they were desperate to kill me again. They needed one last chance, so they they tried one last time to kill me instead of just make me near death. This should have killed me. It really should have I had enough poison in me that I should have died. I don't know what kind of poison it was, but I'll get to this in a later story. I know people that died from the same kind of exact symptoms, and it was poison, and they died. Um, they died by choking on their own vomit. Well, that, that's kind of how they died. And I almost did that. I think, again, something must have been that some kind of miracle happened, because I should be dead at that point, I'm pretty sure they went to a totally different place, where nobody knew them, at a hotel, they hoped that they would leave my dead body at the hotel, and then flee back to home. Again, I'm pagan. I believe in some form of magic. And I believe that they believed in magic for a different reason. As pagan, it all depends, at least the kind of paganism I believe in, it all depends on the intent. But their 1500s belief, they think that anything magic is just straight from the devil's hand. So, anything that they saw that they could witness as something they thought was coming from me, some kind of magic they thought I was doing, no matter how slight of a possibility that it might be, no matter how subtle. This wasn't like Harry Potter, it was never like Harry Potter, of course it wasn't, but... You know, the the kind of magic, that subtle magic, that people do believe in, that paganism believes in, um, and that these Nazis believe in, but they see it in a much different light. I think that they saw signs. I do. Um, uh, I have some visionary um, psychic abilities, I have some different clairvoyance gifts. uh, among other things, and I think that they just kind of picked up on that and realised that. Um, that was, if if anything, that was even more of a of a of a hint to them that I was indeed a devil child. What bothers me is that no matter what you're taught. You can make your own decisions. You're not a zombie. I really, really tried very hard to get them to love me. That is all I wanted. I would give them gifts when I was a little child. And it was genuine. When I was a little child, I I was not aware of the truth really, I didn't really know why one day they were really nice to me, the next day they hated my guts. And I was just thankful for the days they were nice to me, but I didn't trust it. I blindly, genuinely, I think just from an instinct, loved them until that trust was broken too many times later on in life. They were shown that basically I never, ever fought back, I never got violent, I never tried to even stand up for myself. If they weren't hurting me, I did not fight back. I complied with everything, I never did anything really wrong, except for stand up for myself. Um they uh they just i don't know they they just um decided that they were going ignore all of that, and I took that into i really do i i have a an, an ability. To look in somebody's eyes and, and tell, you know, basically by the expression of their eyes, it's said that somebody's soul is a doorway to the soul. If you look into their eyes, you can see not only their intent, but kind of their personality. And um, they're very selfish, arrogant cowards. That's their personality. And they um, really don't have hearts. They don't even love each other. Not really. Um, I'm not even sure if there's anything that they, they truly ever loved. They're sociopaths. They chose this way of life because it suits them. They get paid by the Nazis to do Nazi work, which I'll talk about later. Um, You know, they get the protection of the Nazis, and right now, they've 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 any Nazi that they talk to, just to be on the safe side, they've said that they've adopted me, because if they said that I was their birth child. They would be clotted for birthing such a child, for, for birthing such a monster. My point is, they had all the chances in the world to see that I was not a demon child, that I was just a loving, innocent child. But they did not care to see it. And I think, even if a little piece of them saw it and admitted it, even subconsciously, it was not worth it to them to give up their way of life. It was not beyond them to even kill an innocent. Because they got, they, they got paid for it. So even if they thought this person was innocent, they don't question it because they get paid. Again, it's an underground operation that is a lot more extensive than we like to think. A lot of these things about police, not all police are bad, but a lot of these things about a lot of these police having ties to to stuff like neo-Nazis and Nazi connections. That is something to that, and it's not just police, it's doctors, many doctors. They love hospitals. Because a hospital, you have the ability to abruptly either save somebody's life or end it. And they absolutely love autopsist professions. Because if you're an autopsist, think about this if you're an autopsist, you have the authority to basically botch whatever you want to botch. You can say, oh, they died of a heart attack. Well, yeah, the heart always stops when they die. Eventually, somebody's heart is going to stop. That is how they die. Yet the heart stops and never, never starts back again. But the heart stopped because they were poisoned. You know, or died as of asphyxiation. You know. Well yeah, they, they died of asphyxiation, but not because of randomness, because they were poisoned. <sighs> um in the third chapter I'm going to talk a little bit more about how I started to put all of this together and piece all the puzzles together, but right now I'm only talking about my memories. Um, so I'll get to the rest of that later, but um, I will talk more about it in, in the third chapter. So what I want to focus now is on is um, sort of the last memory that is the the most significant that I can remember. Anyway, oh, actually there's two. One day I was in the living room and there was this really old book amongst several other old books. And it was odd to me that, as far as I remember, um, there was either nothing on the bind Oh, that was a really it was really faded. And so I opened it on the first plate first page it says Mein and of course I could not really accurately um, I was a child, older child but I still couldn't accurately pronounce it because I never heard of it before. Um, I said, what is Minecomp? And my family uh, came running over to me um, and said, basically basically kind of just brushed it off and said, it's a really old book. And I said, what is it about? Would I like it? (laughs) And, And they said, no, you don't want to read that. I said, why not? what is it about? You just tell me. They kind of looked at each other and they thought to themselves this might have its benefits. Again, another thing that Noxies love to do is gain the trust of whoever they are trying to kill or whoever they're trying to torture. Make them think they're on their side. They would do this with me sometimes as well. My father said... Well, you know who Hitler is, don't you? I said, Yeah. I know who he is, I just don't know what this is. What does this have to do with him? He wrote that. He wrote that book. It's basically his thoughts. And it's one of the original copies, one of the very few that didn't get destroyed. We're very proud to have it. I said, why would you keep a book that is that evil, that, that, is, that is written by Hitler? And his response was, well, it's a very valuable piece of history. I said, how is it valuable? He said, it's history. History, anything that, that is this ode, to what it is, it's valuable. My father doesn't give a shit about history. He doesn't give a shit about uh, antiques. He's not that kind of person. He doesn't value antiques at all. Why would he value this antique book randomly? So it kind of backfired. Because at one time he's a he, he, he's, uh, He's telling me, yes, Hitler's bad, and that's why you don't want to read the book, but at the same time he's saying, the book is valuable and it needs to be preserved. And the way that they said it, the way that they said most of them were burned, it was an angry, resentful, like, um, they were very mad, like, like it was not fair that they were burned. And they even said, they don't have the right to do that. That was not their place to burn them Which I thought was very old as well (sighs) This is why it really gets sad Um, They preached equality to me They preached, you know, um, be good, do good things to me. And they, you know, supposedly even had, quote, friends that were, um, that were supposed to be their enemies. People that a Nazi would never associate themselves with. And that is another thing I'm going to talk about in the third chapter so as I mentioned um, this is when I start to put it all together this is when everything just floods in on me all together Um, I had finally moved um, two eyes away from them I finally moved and I was so happy. I felt free. But the house belonged to them. It did. There were two things, even though they didn't live in it, it belonged to them. They let me live in it. And now I know why. Um, because it was another control factor. If they own the house, they can control it. They are people that they appoint, that I, that I thought were just random. I'd seen them watching to see when I left the house and things, and I thought they were just creepy random, but I finally put it all together. They worked for my parents. Um, if they knew that I knew this, my life would be in in a lot more jeopardy even than it is right now because right now the only thing that's keeping them at bay at least a little bit is the false security that I don't know the extent of what they've done to me and to others like me Um, so they um, the house has a well. And this well was so incredibly hidden, it's not even funny. Even the person that um, came to inspect the well had difficulty locating it. We'll get to that later. Um, Let's back up a bit. When I first moved in, I noticed it was hard to breathe and I didn't know why. It's like I I was not breathing in oxygen, it was like I was breathing in air without oxygen. That's what it felt like. And I realised that it got worse when the heat or the AC came on. Air conditioning and heat would come on, it would get a lot worse. And so I had them check it out. And it would get better for a little bit, they clean it up, We would get better for a little bit. And then I'd hear this, really late at night, uh, actually, consequently, like, only 32 to minutes to an hour after I go to bed, I'm still awake and I would hear what sort of sounded like a little, not little, a like huge animal bumping up against the side of the house. The unit is underneath the house. It would be very easy for somebody. It's not locked. Um, it, it can't be. It, it, there's no way to lock it. So, it would be very, very easy for them to just slide open the door very quietly and then walk in that. Um, that's what I think of was hearing. You know, them kind of fumbling around, you know, and the very next day, it would get worse again, and I started to think maybe it's not an animal, maybe it's something, putting something in the AC unit. The water tasted fine in the first month, but after that, it started tasting like fuzzy sugar. No joke. Like, the texture fuzzy, and then sugar. Water should never taste sweet, but this water tasted sweet, which made me think that there was something wrong with the well water. So I did. I tried to have somebody expect it, and they even had trouble finding the well. Despite me not ever knowing where it was, it was very well hidden, covered by brush in the middle of the woods, uh... And somehow my father knew exactly where it was. I said, "How do you know how to find that?" He said, "Oh, it's just lucky guess." I didn't know where it was; just lucky guess. They actually given me, um, you know, several stupid reasons why the well why they thought the well water tasted funny minerals, whatever. This doesn't taste like any mineral. Not, not any safe mineral. Um, they didn't even want me to get it tested. then they insisted that I only use the man that they want me to use um, to get it tested, to, to actually get the sample, um, which was a different group of people than um, the person that was initially there to inspect the well. Um, and so, to get the sample, um, I had to go through a different person, to the people they recommended. If the they bring me back a ridiculous, botched, handwritten thing, they they said, oh, it's, it's because college students do it, Uh, uh-huh. it was just a botched piece of paper, um, it wasn't a real report, I could tell it was not a real report, and it said that, that they didn't find anything, basically. You know, a few percentages of normal things that you would find in the well, such as iron and things, but nothing substantial. I thought there has to be something in the well, there has to be some kind of really bad something. I said, Well, it might just be some bacteria. So, change out your filter. No, that's not it. I'm still getting very sick. I realised that. 30 minutes after I drink the water is when I get really sick. So I know it has to do with the water and they tell me, water can't do that. I go to a doctor, a doctor says, "Yeah, water can't do that." And um, admitted that my liver uh, liver sorry, liver levels were really high dangerous um, blood work but there was quite no reason for it and I'm saying, it's the water and the doctor says, no, no it's not um. it got so bad one night that um, it, keep in mind I don't know the, the extent of things I don't know about the poison yet I don't know this, I haven't put it together yet <sighs> I still think it's just my stupid body that's flawed, from birth. Um, but that's not the case. It's the poison. I don't know that. And so I called up my mother and I said, "I feel like I'm dying. It got so bad, excruciating pain, and felt like I was going to vomit at the same time. And I couldn't even walk hardly. I said." I, I can't drive myself. Like, can you drive me? I, I, you know, I don't know if this is really an emergency, but, but I'm in a lot of pain. You know, I, I would consider an emergency where, where you can't move at all. And so I thought, you know, well, maybe she can drive me. She said, oh, well, let's wait till morning. She wanted me to wait till morning so that some of those findings, quote, findings, would die down, or that the right person on the right shift could cover up the findings. When I get to the hospital, yes again, they say, well, your liver levels are really elevated, but we don't know why. At this point, I'm getting frustrated because, you know, Basically, I'm near death and you don't know why. How does that happen? How does someone get near death with bukuza tests and you don't know why? They did all the tests, supposedly, that you think of. It wasn't something they didn't do. Um, My parents had done a very good job early on, especially in my teenage years. Of making it seem as if I was mentally ill. Um, So that they they gave me a false reputation. You know. um, So that nobody would listen to me. (laughs) Um, I was extremely distrusting of them. And they acted so nice to psychologists and psychiatrists. And... They believed them over me, they believed I was just, quote, doing it to get attention attention and all the stories I told them weren't real. One day I had even asked my parents about the, the gas chamber. They said, oh, that was just a dream. I said, really? Because it happened a lot and I knew I was awake. So well, you're young; it's a dream. I would say things like that to psychologists, and they would say, "You are either delusional, or you're doing this to get attention." And I just felt hopeless because here I am being severely abused, and nobody believes me. Eventually, I'm going to die. Um. The going back to the well. The same symptoms that I had from my birthdays, from the well water, from everything. Maybe not from the whatever that poison was that made me feel like I didn't breathe any oxygen in. It was definitely different from the gas chamber. It was something totally different. Um, again, something you can't see or smell. But anyway, uh, it was in the AC unit. I'm convinced. And um, they, uh, so well now I'm just talking about the the kind that is, of course, uh, in the fusion water. These people have the same exact symptoms I did and they died. So the first person I'm going to talk about is a lady that, when she was drunk, supposedly a very good friend of my father and mother, when she was drunk, she came over to me one day and said, I have to confess something. I envy your strength. You've survived things that nobody else would have. And this is all coming out of the blue, and I'm saying, what? What do you mean? And all she would say was, you're really strong, I envy you. That's all. Just know that. I thought that was really odd. Well, a couple of years later, she dies of the exact same symptoms I had except for she actually chokes on her own vomit and she, she chokes to death. When did this happen? Not even an hour after my parents left her house. The autopsy report, guess what that says? That says that she just died of asphyxiation, and she had a little bit of alcohol in her system, so they blame me on that. Um, Her husband tries to cover, he's a coward, he tries to cover, to spare his own life for my parents, by saying she had um, anorexia and bulimia, which she most definitely did not. Um, this woman carried about her body, took very good care of it, and loved life to the fullest. She wouldn't be somebody that did that. So, um, they don't even mention that to the people who asked what happened. They mention she died of heart attack. Which is not true. But that's what they tell all the friends and things at the funeral. They don't say what's on the autopsy report, And they tell me never to tell. This man ran for his bloody life, disappeared, sold his house ASAP. Because he was affiliated with her. Why did my parents kill her? because she envied me. She envied a demon child. She envied the quote, supposed strength, which is ridiculous of a demon child. The fact that I just by happenstance survived something I shouldn't have. She envied that. She envies that and sees it as strength, unnatural strength, which is absurd. But that is what she sees it as. I I can tell you right now, I do not have supernatural strength. I don't. (laughs) If I did, that'd be amazing. But I don't. I'm just a normal person. That's gotten lucky. Really lucky. A few times. Several times. But not so much as to say that I'm different. That I'm You know, have something that she envied. I don't even know if I even had what she envied. But she thought I did. So, you can imagine 1500's mindset, like I was saying. That is what these people have. That's what this group of people have. If she envies something that is directly connected to the devil... She has to be slaughtered. Another example... um, Maybe a couple days, maybe a day, two to three days I'd say, at most, after my parents had a nice little dinner party with a gay man and his husband. Uh, The gay man was supposedly a good friend of theirs. Again, this is what they do, they wear a mask, they act like this is what is so creepy and so the hidden danger here is that you expect a Nazi to just wear on their sleeve. No, they don't. These underground Nazis purposefully gain your trust and then backstab you later. So that is what they did with this game act. The whole purpose of befriending him was that they could get close enough to him to put something in his drink. And again, his symptoms were the exact same as mine. He died the exact same way that the lady did. And it's quite odd that only an hour after She chokes on her own vomit an hour after they leave, not even. And that two or three days later, despite best efforts, she's dead. It's kind of strange how two or three days later, same thing happens to this man after, you know, sharing dinner with my family. He's dead. I remember at that lady's funeral, somebody walked up to my mother and father and said, you know, you're the last person to see her alive. That must have been difficult. Like I was not the only one suspecting something. So at one point, I actually go to the police, stupidly, naively, and they laugh at me. They tell me to get some rest, that I'm imagining things, that I might just see a psychologist. Is that in on it too? Is there anybody that is not in on it in this town? And how many towns are like this? Because I've lived a lot of places throughout my life, throughout my childhood. And there was at least one person infiltrating something, but this time, this time you have more Nazis than you do regular people. This time, you, you're lucky to find one person who's not Nazi. So at that point, no one would do anything. I just gave up. I gave up on the police. I gave up on the hospital, gave up my family a long time ago, gave up on trusting anybody. Really. Thus, I knew for sure they were like me, and by that I mean not a Nazi. It's actually what, a big part of what made me want to, to actually find a religion. I could never, growing up, even though my family was Nazi, Christian Nazi, different than regular Christians, obviously, I didn't I really identify as anything, really, I just, maybe atheist. And, um, you know, paganism is quite the opposite of these Nazi beliefs. Nazis believe that they are on a pedestal above everybody else, there's no equality. They believe in killing any race, religion or culture that is not exactly like them. They're very selfish, very arrogant just beliefs. And paganism, um, true paganism, is that everything, not just people, but the ground you walk on, the earth you stand on, the forest, everything that lives in the forest, even down to a wee little ant, everybody is equally important. And so, you know, your importance is the same as an ant, and it, it, it levels the playing field. Nobody's on a pedestal, number one. Number two, the most important rule is that you must be of pure intent, which means you can't be evil. You know, you can't, do things for selfish reasons you can't be evil like Nazis are I think that's what that uh, paired with the fact that the belief in magic and that so many strange things has happened that I cannot explain like what happened with the priest there's a lot more things that I cannot explain that's happened it just seemed to fit you know um if you look at a Satanist and you look at a Nazi, the only difference is that a Satanist wears their evil on their sleeve, and these underground Nazis, they they like to well, even they even like to preach it, above ground. They turn their demons into angels, and they make it look like their sins are saint-like acts of kindness, you know, they basically preach that right is wrong and wrong is right, whereas satanists just say, I know I'm evil, I know I'm doing bad things and I'm proud of it. Really, that is the only personality difference Yes, they believe in totally different things, but that is the only thing. They're both evil. Any terrorist group is evil. Any hate group is evil. Anybody who does anything like that is evil. And I don't buy into the crap of, oh, they teach their children that. Because even if you're brainwashed... You're always given an opportunity at least once in your life usually to wake up. And the people who aren't, okay, fine, I spare I spare their you know situation, I, I won't hold it against them. But most people there are countless people that have terrible, terrible and I'm one of them. Terrible family, and they turn out to be one of the kindest people with the best morals that you could have. Just because my family is a Nazi does not mean I am my family. I'm about as far away as I can get from them. I'm about as polar opposite as I can get as you could get from a Nazi. And I hate them with passion. And I hope one day, finally, that justice is brought and they are put behind bars. But with all these Nazis working behind the scenes, working, infiltrating things, I'm very highly doubtful that that will happen. And they're not alone. And their numbers are great compared to what people think they are. Not in the hundreds, not in the thousands. In the hundreds of thousands. At least that. Just on this country line. Forget the rest of the world. You are the rest of the world and it's in the millions, probably. Maybe they're not all the same branch of Nazi. Maybe some of them are neo-Nazis. But, at the end of the day, a is a Nazi. That's why I just simply call them Nazis. They're all Nazis. And then you add other terrorists, other kinds of hate groups that are just as bad, you add that into the mix. There's even more people. The biggest issue here is that the world is not as safe as you think. Someone can pretend to be your friend, even advocate for you. Say that they believe in, for example, the right for a gay man to marry. But in reality they're just waiting for an opportunity to slip something in your drink so that they can kill you and then have an autopsy, a Nazi autopsy, cover it up. That would have been a time where people said, you're crazy. But now there's enough out there, enough things going on, enough crap in the world right now. Enough police murdering innocent people, enough Really strange things happening at hospitals, where someone just suddenly dies, that was getting better. Enough really strange deaths. And enough outward, where the Nazis are finally testing their numbers, seeing if they're strong enough. What do you think the insurrection was about? They want to see what they could get away with to see if it was time to come back above ground, and you know how many people were that. That just gives you a small idea of what's happening behind the scenes. People finally are starting to say, well that doesn't sound as crazy as it once did. You better watch your back, because your own doctor could be a Nazi. Your best friend could be a Nazi. Have instincts. Look into their eyes, see if you can see whether or not they're telling the truth about something. Research their background if you can, even though you probably won't find anything. Usually you don't. What angers me the most is that most of my family are Nazis. Most of them. And they have clean records. They've never once set foot in a jail or prison. People think they're safe. I had a few people that were good to me, and if I didn't, I probably would have grown up a very angry, violent person. One of those people was my granny on my father's side. She always told me, and I never knew what it meant until long after she died. She always told me. you're special don't you ever forget that and i love you i love you so much i just took it for granted <sighs> sorry get emotional when i think about She was the very first person in my life that I remember that loved me unconditionally. She just was so nice to me. I was like, where is this kindness coming from? Because I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't understand it at first but I cherished it always. That was um, another person really vital in my life when I was about five. I don't remember his name. He worked with my father. He was a Native American man, and he had offered one day to kind of watch me my father was busy. He said that um, he and some other people actually ran a daycare, and I went to this place often enough that I remember what it looked like, big field, um, there were teepees. It was a really fun place. I remember one day he pulling me aside and showing me about the fern. Now where we lived there were these ferns. Um it was far northwest of the country. And there were these ferns that um I think in Oregon, I can't even remember, it was so far in my memory, we lived not lived so many places um, that had these really cool like pores, like little brown pods on the back of the leaves and um, the ferns were really big and he pinched off a little piece of the fern and he said to me Um, he said, This fern is medicine. You rub it on your wounds and it helps heal your wounds. This man was very clairvoyant, I don't know how, but he knew things about me, I'm convinced from what he said. There were things that he said, a lot of things, I'm just telling you one of them. But he knew. I think he knew something was not right with my father and that I was being abused somehow. I think he just kind of somehow psychically knew that because he told me a lot of other psychic things that turned out to be true later on in life. Um, but I'm only really going to focus on this right now. Back then, I didn't really think he put something on my hand, he, he, he wrote it in his hand, told me how to roll it up and then he put the paste on my hand and he, um, you know, told me what the fern medicine was for and that it was very sacred and I, I said, but, but my hand's fine I don't have, a, I don't have any, anything that, nothing to heal on my hand he said, I oh, know. But anytime you need to heal a wound, the fern will help you heal. There's powerful healing medicine in it. And it will help you. So now you know how to use it. Now, in Native American culture, very similar to paganism, we do believe that these things actually have medicinal properties that have not been scientifically studied, um, really, to the extent that we believe that they have. But it's... um, At least, if if you don't believe that, you can at least take away the metaphor of it that he knew I was in pain somehow and he was trying to give me hope that something actually could help mend my wounds, that I was not helpless and that um, I had options. He told me you're very strong and he said to me Um, that I was a, a warrior a wolf warrior something like that it's hard to remember because I was so young he talked about how everything was sacred and much like paganism You know, you can only take something if you're meant to have it. You can't just, you know, take something because you want it. And how to respect nature. He taught me some very valuable lessons about life. Just in that short period of time. When I started talking about what he was teaching me, my parents realised he was having too much of an influence on me and would not let me ever go back that. And so after that, I was never able to go back to the daycare. But I never forgot what he taught me. I wish I could remember his name so I could thank him properly. Because he was a real angel in a sea of demons, so to speak. It's those people, those kinds of people that I think this is worth, no matter how small it might get, of a population, but those kinds of people that are maybe not as aware as he or I am about the dangers, those innocent people, that is why I'm telling my story. Because I want, desperately want these people to wake up and wisen up before it's too late. So that they don't have to die, and so that they don't have to go through what I went through. So that they can be free of that, and so that they can prepare themselves and be ready if they ever find themselves crossing paths with somebody like this Nazi family of mine or a group of Nazis that they belong to or other terrorist group, who knows? But my point is that there is a pattern There's a pattern in the way they do things There's a lot of manipulation mentally Psychologically, there's a lot of pretending to be your friend when they're actually your enemy. So, there's a lot of acting involved, and there's a lot, a lot of coordination underground. There's a lot of infiltration on the um, recruiting side of things, there's a lot of brainwashing. Severe brainwashing. They like to take advantage of people who are already really open-minded. You take QAnon. Um, they actually love little mini-groups like QAnon because they can take advantage of those people. They can feed that paranoia, and link it to the Nazi ideology, which they already have, and that's probably part of why QAnon is what it is today. Um, they took a lot of these really their thinkers that would just believe anything they were told. They absolutely love anybody that would believe anything they're told because they don't even have to bother with much brainwashing at all. They're already ready to go. They have children, they brainwash their children of course, long as they accept them. Like I said, I'm glad they did not accept me because I was spared of that even though I went through a lot of torture and pain. At least At least I know the truth. At least I didn't have to unlearn everything. At least I didn't have the looming threat of being brainwashed um, into possibly doing terrible things, thinking they were good things. At least I can say that I've never done anything to hurt anybody, ever. that I've never been used or puppeted through that brainwashing because I was never accepted by them I was always an enemy (laughs) there are even facilities complete facilities where they keep people like me People where they, they see to, to have the devil in them or that are actually offspring of the devil. Whether it's signs of magic or strange being born strangely or whatever it is. Surviving something you shouldn't have. Unnaturally strong for your stature or your age. Anything. Again, 1500s ideology. 1500s mindset they haven't changed since the 1500s, and they probably won't ever change. But they have entire secret facilities. A lot of times these facilities are out in the middle of nowhere, so you never happen upon it. You know, you might not even be able to see it from the road little dirt road running there that, that you can barely see and you, you can't even see the building there it's too far away you know, it's on private property I've been to one and I know there's a lot more than one that has to be with, with how many of these are, are just everywhere How many of these Nazis are everywhere? Any position, any job that has authority, anything that gives you authority to either cover up something like a murder, or um, something like a a kidnapping, or... um, that would give you direct uh, authority to either, like I said, have it at your disposal to kill somebody or to save their life, like someone in, in a hospital setting or doctor or something like that. It gets even down to food and water and medication Sadly, you know, I, I have to really research even which food at the grocery store has maybe not uh, as much poison as my family would give me, but small traces of it that might could kill you over the course of 5 to 10 years, or maybe even 20 years. 25 years. The It's so small of an amount that it takes so long that they get mis- misdiagnosed a lot of times, I'm sure. Um, but I know what it, what it tastes like and I know the symptoms. So, for example, if I open a bottle of water and it tastes the same as my well did when it was poisoned, if I open that bottle of water and it tastes fuzzy and like it kinda fuzzy and it kinda burns my mouth a bit and it and it tastes a little sweet. Water should never ever taste sweet. Um, water should never burn your mouth, not even slightly. Um, no, if it's really diluted sometimes the only thing that you can taste is the sweetness or the or the fuzziness to it. Um, and then you have to go along the factor that there's not only one kind of poison, there's many. Um, So any time I've ever ingested something that made made me feel like that feels like poison, I've never gotten that again. I've never bought that again. I have to constantly, every time I leave the house, you know, my family has a key to my house because they own the house, I have to constantly hide anything or take anything with me that I don't want rummaged through. And I have to, um, I have to sadly, uh, you know, just, just not ever eat anything they give me, not ever drink anything they give me, act like I'm going to, but not. Um, if I turn on the AC, the heat, and it suddenly, um, is feels like I can't breathe. And I have to aerate the entire house no matter how hot or coat it is and let it run through and let, let it run it enough that it runs out of it. Um and is pumping cleanish air again. Uh can't wear any clothes that they might buy for me. You know, I have to change my bedding every time I come home. Every single time I come home, I have to change the bedding because they can put it on clothing and bedding and things and they have before in the past. <sighs> um, you know, there's, there's a tracker on my car. If I try to take it off, I get somebody following my car, following me, following me, same car, following me, they wait until I go in a store or something, they put another tracker on on the bottom of it. I have no real freedom, but I have enough freedom because I'm living on my own, and the only thing that is, you know, letting me do this is that they are arrogantly confident that I don't know any of this, and that I'm still... Taking in all of that poison that they put in my food and water every time I leave the house, that I'm still drinking the well water, they think that nothing has changed. They think that everything is under control. If they didn't, that I'm sure that this wee little bit of freedom I have to live in a house on my own will be will be taken away. I'll either be taken to one of those facilities which is most likely one of those facilities that I've been at before or um, you know I'd go live with them they're very arrogant they think that if they're not there to do it themselves it won't be done right that it won't be harsh enough it won't be strict enough that's actually in my favour that's what's been going for me and if I don't um, make sure that that they never find out. I'm in great jeopardy, so I'm actually risking a lot by by putting this out here and trying to warn other people. It's not fun, I don't want to do it, but it's like I feel obligated because I survived that I need to warn people. I just hope that anybody that is not meant to see this, anybody that is a Nazi, especially my family, never figures out that these podcasts exist because if they do, I'm probably dead, dead for good this time.